Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. My name's Owen Bennett and joining me this week are Paul War, Graham Dominique and Ned Simons. After months of sometimes intensive negotiations, David Cameron's moment in the Brussels sun has arrived. The Prime Minister will today and tomorrow sit down with the head of states of the 27 other EU countries as he tries to secure agreement for his renegotiated deal. If the PM wants to call a June referendum, he effectively has until Friday afternoon to get all of the heads of states to sign up to the package of reforms. But as we record this programme, there are still parts of the deal which need to be ironed out. Suggesting that if Cameron thought the summit would be a rubber stamping exercise, he is mistaken. Here is a clip from a press conference that took place in Brussels this morning. I'm uh, quite uh, confident that we will have a deal uh, during this European Council. We have to sort out a certain number of questions among those, the one uh, you are uh, mentioning. And uh, I'm convinced that Britain will be a constructive and active member of the European Union. The whole process has allowed political hacks to dust off that most cliched of metaphors, firing the starting gun. So, Paul War. What state is the starting gun in? Well, David Cameron obviously has got his bullets lined up in the uh, the gun chamber. He's ready to go, but it all depends on what happens in the next uh, 24 hours. Today, this afternoon, you're going to start see it start in earnest in Brussels, where the Prime Minister will meet Donald Tusk at about three o'clock local time. Then at five o'clock, he meets um, Martin Schulz, the President of the European Parliament. These are the two people that have been key in trying to get the, the deal sort of uh, off the ground as far as number 10 is concerned in terms of selling it over there. So then you have this thing called a family photo. I love this phrase, family photo. All 28 EU leaders try and look as though they're all one big happy family and they pose for a picture. And everyone's got a certain cross to stand on. It's just like primary school, um, but it's quite People a big... People sort of try to stand next to their mates a little bit. Yeah, that... kind of. It's unwieldy, you know, and you'll see a bit of dodging and as someone, Cameron tries to not stand next to someone who's his hated enemy. Anyway, that happens. And then the real business starts about a quarter of an hour later. And what we're going to see for about two hours, uh, so number 10 leaders to believe, is the hard bargaining on what Cameron wants. And the first bit of the summit is going to be everyone else around that table in that claustrophobic room in Brussels um, saying, look, we don't really like this bit of the deal. We do like this bit of the deal. So they're going to go around one by one and everyone's going to say their piece apart from Cameron. So everyone knows what his pitch is. Then they get to eight o'clock, break up for a dinner, working dinner. And then what happens? Well... We stop talking about Britain. We start talking about what Europe's really worried about, which is the migration crisis and Syria. And those two massive issues, most European leaders obviously think this is a sideshow. They've got to do Cameron some kind of deal because they're desperate to have Britain staying in. But they do kind of see it as a whole bit of a distraction. So they're going to go on about that. And then they kind of park it overnight and come back to it for this English breakfast 
uh, as the officials call it in the morning. Well, full Monty, is it going to be? Well, that's what you made, the war zone this morning had lots of metaphors about breakfast. Will it be the so full English? Be, will, it, like, we'll sign the deal if you give me your mushrooms. Will it be, <laughs> exactly. I'm get. Will it be the full English? He gets everything he wants, or will it be some sort of you know travel lodge special where you turn up quite late and actually all you've got left is the odd bit of bacon, a bit of a sausage, and some creepy old croissant and a bit of ham and cheese to make it a continental. So, and we a dark time of your life, you're right. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It's very Alan Partridge. Very Alan Partridge. So we'll see what comes out. The real stuff will be tomorrow morning after that breakfast or brunch, and we'll see whether or not he's got what he wants. So it sounds like there's, actually, even though this is the big deal for David Cameron, there are other stuff at this summit which isn't just what Britain wants, right? Completely. And the migration crisis, don't forget, is an existential crisis for the rest of Europe. You know, the southern countries are really worried about this influx. They think they've got a control over it in the last few days, actually, as it happens. Some of them have stemmed some of the flow, but there's lots of migrants waiting to go over on the border to Turkey. I mean, a massive number of people marshaled there, having been kicked out of Aleppo, thanks to the Russians and Syrians. And so there could be another really big spring migration move. And the EU's trying to get its act together. Cameron's trying to help in true sort of uh, Diplo fashion by saying, well, if you give me what I want on my deal, well, obviously right. I'm going to help you with gunboats, helicopters, some of our, sp- uh, our special border force people who are going to help you out defend your borders. So the, the, the big question is, and anyone listening to this podcast on Saturday or Sunday will know the answer, but I'm going to ask you guys now. Will the deal get signed? Will it get done at this summit? Everybody in Brussels is confident there will be a deal, that they can't run over. That be, it, all the attention, all the energy has been dedicated to today and tomorrow. If after all this, there is a major breakdown, then that would be a serious, serious problem. You could still rescue it in time for a June 23rd referendum yeah. because you could have an emergency summit later this month or early next month. Um, but everybody you talk to is convinced that there's going to be a deal. So what we're going to see is the usual pantomime tonight. All tomorrow's morning's papers are going to be full of, you know, so-and-so country says, no, I'm not having it, Cameron. And then tomorrow they will say, yeah, you can have it, Cameron, and he'll, he'll get some kind of deal. So there's a lot of, you know, stage management, a lot of choreography still to get through. But at the end no of the day... No one wants a look, replay, like in the cup. No, no one wants a replay, looks like right? he's going to have it in time for a cabinet Straight meeting to penalties. on Friday afternoon. Cabinet meeting... Friday afternoon, okay. So Cameron's basically got to go around these other 27 heads of state and try and get them to agree this deal, which leads us nice onto this week's quiz. Oh, <laughs> I was really afraid okay. you were going to say that. This week's quiz is called Head of State or Tolstoy's Mate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read out a name. It yeah. doesn't And you've got to tell me whether it's a head of state from an EU country, bonus point if you're going to name the country, or a character from War and Peace. <laughs> Right. All right, Graham. Okay. I mean, we should know all of these. You really, should know all of these. As, you know, university educated, political correspondent. University educated? University. You went to university? <sighs> when Unbelievable. You said, when you said Red, the quiz was good this week. The quiz is good. Okay, ready? Dimitri Uno Fritsch. <laughs> Uno Fritsch. Uno Fritsch. Are you, are you pronouncing this correctly? Who knows? <laughs> Uno Fritsch. Dimitri is that a head of state or Tolstoy's mate? Ooh. Tolstoy's mate. Could it could it be someone? Oh, I think it's a Tolstoy's oh, mate. Literally stroking his chin into things about this. Tolstoy's mate. Tolstoy's mate. Graham. Uh, sorry, is this from War and Peace or the whole Tolstoy oeuvre? What are we talking? Just War and Peace. Just War and Peace. That, also, that makes a difference because you're sitting there going, "Oh, Anna Karenina." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Um, Tolstoy's mate. Correct. He he is uh, the family solicitor of Count 
Bezukov. <laughs> right. you're, you're a noted linguist, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mikhail. Mikhail Nikanovich. We're supposed to keep it under 20 minutes. Mikhail Nikanovich. Sorry? Mikhail Nikanovich. Could that be Slovakian? Could that be. Head, head of state, I think you've... You think head of state. Yeah. Ned thinks head of state. Oh, oh yeah. It's like a state. president. We We're showing the... our ignorance of Eastern Europe, but uh, yeah. it could be Baltic. Hmm. Graham? Yeah, no, he's head of state. Yeah. Head of state. Wrong. It's a distant <laughs> relative of the Rostovs who lives near the estate in the book. He's also referred to as uncle. It's probably why I didn't get it, because you know him as... Yeah, just, I know. His uncle, yeah. Dahlia... Dahlia... Gribus... Katie. Oh, that's easy. She's the uh, Lithuanian. She is. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got what, that head what, she was about to say what Paul was about to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Boyko Borisov. Yes. Gone. Head of state, isn't he? Isn't he Bulgaria? Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, this is no fun, is it? <laughs> uh, Listening to you pronounce Eastern European yeah. names is fun, though. Myro Chura. Chura, Myro Chura, <laughs> Myro Chura, everyone. Tolstoy's mate. Tolstoy's mate. Yeah. Yeah, Tolstoy's mate. Yeah. Pull stroke, stroke chin time. Head of state. Go on. It could be some obscure middle, Central European person. Slovenia. Ah oh. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a Oh, God. I was thinking Slovakia. Okay, and finally, uh, Braz, Brazkovia. Savishna. <laughs> That's Braskovia Savishna. That's War and Peace. It's Tolstoy's mate. Paul says Tolstoy's mate, Graham. It sounds like a national dish the way you pronounced it, but I think it's Tolstoy's mate. Offensive, but go on. Yeah, me too. Tolstoy's mate. Yeah, I'm it's, Paul the nurse, it's the nurse in the Bolkonsky household. <laughs> so I hope you all enjoyed that at home. It was illuminating, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Reading those. Anyway, let's move on. Um, with the deal almost done, it's time for those politicians who have been keeping their cards close to their chest to finally reveal their hands. All eyes are on London Mayor Boris Johnson, who on Wednesday was granted a meeting with Cameron in Number 10 Downing Street to discuss the deal. Here he is after his meeting. I, 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 I've, I've, I've said before, there's no point in saying anything until we see the actual outcome. Okay? You know what the deal is now? You don't. But of course, it's not just Boris who's yet to reveal that they will back Brexit. Justice Secretary Michael Gove, Employment Minister Priti Patel and even Home Secretary Theresa May could all come out for leave in the referendum. Graham, you um, this week were caught in the bookmakers and you decided to well, make out to your boss that well, it was because you were trying to get the odds on who would come out for Brexit. Yeah. And you were forced to write a story about it. Yeah, I was thinking on my feet, Owen. So it's, tell it's, us all, all about good journalists should. This story that you Yeah, that you so um, we've us journalists have been kicking around who is who is going to campaign for in and who is going to campaign to leave for the last few months. And um, politicians, cabinet ministers have been uh, giving us various different signals ac- in, across the month. Some have been quite explicit in who in, in where they're going to go, others others less so. Um, so I had a quick word with Ladbrokes uh, bookmakers to find out where they where the money men thought um, this was going. And um, they're not offering bets on anyone other than three people, which would suggest there's only three people whose minds are. Um, well, you look at me like that. I'm just surprised. Only three people. Yeah. So they they're pretty much sure that anyone other than 
Sajid Javid, the business secretary, yeah. Michael Gove, yeah. justice secretary, and Boris Johnson, mayor of London and sometime member of the political cabinet, um, are uh, have not made the minds up. So there's, okay. a, there's a bet to be there's a bet to be so made. So what's there. Theresa May down then? Do you think Theresa May's in? Yeah. So what are the odds, Graham? Uh, I haven't got them in front no. of me. Luckily, I have though, and uh, Boris Johnson <laughs> is uh, odds of one to four. It's yeah. about the in campaign. Uh, business Secretary Sajid Javid is one to two to join out. And Michael Gove, Justice Secretary, is one to two to uh, go for in. So basically, the bookies think that Boris is going to, he's going to stay in. He's going to campaign to stay in. Right. Yeah, which, which is what I've been saying for ages. All right, well done. Well, when you put your money where your mouth is then? Yeah, you put four quid on, you get one back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a great deal. I didn't get paid four quid. <laughs> But there does seem to be some suggestion. We're not still not quite sure where Boris is. But Boris is—is yeah. is, 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 is he still on the fence? Paul? Dis- he's completely on the fence, despite Owen's confidence. Um, even as late as last night, I mean, the message coming from people around Boris was that he wasn't remotely uh, satisfied by what the Prime Minister said to him in Downing Street the other day, and he's still firmly of the opinion that it's finely balanced the whole decision. Now, if it's, it's finely balanced, then, you know, you're not a gung-ho inner or a gung-ho outer. So let's see what happens. Um, there's going to be a lot of speculation about what he does after the, after the PM comes back. And to be clear, it's a political calculation, isn't it? Is it a political calculation based on his future as potentially Tory party leader? Or is, it, or is that a bit of a smokescreen? Well, of course, the trick for any politician talking about Europe is to make sure it doesn't look political. It's got to be about the national interest. So on both sides, you'll hear this for months to come. This is not about my own party. It's not about me. It's about the national interest. It's miles better for the country if we're in or if we're out. And that's how Boris will have to phrase it either way. I did really enjoy, there was a, a news line from the BBC when Boris was going to number 10 that said, uh, you know, sources say that he'll decide on the national interest. So, oh, thanks, Boris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sources <laughs> yeah. so say he'll decide purely out of yeah. self-ambition. <laughs> but the interesting thing is the power Boris has got. You know, there's a poll in the standard this week showing that he could add 15 points to the no camp if he were to back Brexit. And that's, that's, that's serious shifting no, the I money agree. I think Boris can take people with him. Um, I really do. I think people who might be wavering could think, oh, Boris, he's, you know, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He does bizarrely, but I think you can take people but with him. But if also, I'm talking of the politics of the Tory party, he's actually played it very well. Unlike, you know, you talked about keeping your cards close to your chest. And Boris has been sitting at this poker table almost like he's a real player. You know, the only players at this table really are David Cameron and, and Juncker and um, Tusk and all the other e- 27 EU leaders. But actually, Boris has plonked himself effectively on that table by saying, look, here's my stack of chips. I could walk unless you give me some real guarantees over sovereignty, real guarantees over what's going to happen to the city of London, all the stuff you sceptics are worried about. And so he, he's, he's not yet folded. Um, whereas Theresa May folded really cheaply early on. I mean, last week. Theresa May's speech at the Tory Party conference last year, when she gave this big speech on. I think on you must have been away, Owen, on your holidays when she actually came out, and it was in the Sun where they said actually she was leaning. Now she. No, no, no. I, no, I agree. I agree. Early, but early draft, and she was minded to back it. No, no, I agree. But what I'm saying is, compared to if you could, what the speech she gave at the Tory Party conference was a very sort of wind control immigration speech, and then to so quickly fold. I think people were surprised, well, maybe she's going to do a Boris and sort of really sort of wring yeah. her hands over it, but she didn't. But she? you know what? I, th- I think the thing about her is that actually, unlike Boris, she's not a tactician. She actually, I don't think she's playing games. And that's why number 10, in many ways, respect her more than, right. than Boris, because actually they think, 
she's quite committed when it comes to the security angle on, on being in Europe. And pretty, pretty much she's not taken by this idea that you, you can't lead the Tory party in the future if you um, vote to stay in, which is, which yeah. is part of the... Uh, yeah. Forest calculation, but or so we, so we, so we, so we read and or write. If any of you around this table could tell me how many supporters Theresa May is going to get on any first round and any ballot in the Tory leadership, I'll give you a, a, a month's salary because I tell you, nice, wouldn't oh. it? I tell you, <laughs> there, there, there is a, there's a very, very tiny number of MPs who, who are going to back. To she me. spends a lot of time going around constituency, doesn't she? Yeah, but that's relevant, as know, you know. Ballot, you've yeah. got to get on that ballot. Graham, stat of the week, please. So in the meantime, you just handed me your laptop, which yeah. has a stat of the week. Yeah. So this week I should be able to read it rather than your illegible handwriting. Yeah. Um, no jingle? There's no jingle? Still no jingle Still because no jingle. I'm too busy practicing my handwriting. Right, okay, good. Well, that's productive. That's useful. Um, so stat of the week this week is, according to research by the Guido Fawkes website, I'll just pause there, of the 330 Tory MPs, 150 have indicated they will vote for leave, 97 would remain, and 75 have yet to reveal. And seven have expressed both views. Is that right? Yeah, like Boris or Sajid. Oh, right, OK. I'm not quite sure. Right. So they cancel, that cancels each other out yeah. or something. That's right. Yeah. OK, so that, what does that mean? <laughs> that I mean it means that... Uh, well, you tell a me lot of Tory MPs are More in favour of leaving. More well, Tory no, MPs what, are in favour of leaving. What it into, Graham, <laughs> as my colleague... Paul just said, is that when it comes down to the leadership election after the after Cameron steps down, if you've got 150 Tories who um, have voted out, you want to position yourself with them in some ways, don't you? Because you know you've probably got a good chance of getting them to back you. Of course, that number will be whittled down severely yeah. over the next few weeks by the whips, by massive pressure from number 10. Don't forget, the PM really is taking this quite personally. If, if you're a minister and you're thinking of backing Brexit, he really, really doesn't like it. You know, this isn't... A, a real threat to his premiership. If he loses this referendum, he knows it's very, very damaging. And so anyone who goes off the government line, it, believe me, there isn't a mood in number 10 that actually, oh, well, that's fine, we'll just let them say what they want. That's why there's been a lot of resistance to you know people other than cabinet ministers saying what they want. Speaking of David Cameron, um, here is a clip of him, which Newsnight dug up of him from ni- Tory Party Commons in 1996, giving it some to the European Union. They want a federalist pussycat, not a British lion. It is up to us in this conference, in this party, in this country, to make sure that lion roars, because when it does, no one can beat us. I support the motion. Oh, how times have changed. Anyway, another week and another Leave group has been formed. Yes, there is now a fourth group on the scene, Go Movement. This group is basically the same as Grassroots Out, with many of the same people involved. Tory MP Peter Bone, UK leader Nigel Farage and UKIP donor Aaron Banks. The plan is that Go Movement acts as an umbrella organisation under which other groups will sit. It's applying for official designation as is Vote Leave, the mainly Tory-backed group which has repeatedly refused to merge with any organisation in which Nigel Farage is heavily involved. Grassroots Out is going to be having a big rally on Friday in Westminster. We'll have people like Peter Bone, Kate Hoey from Labour, Tory MP Tom Purstlove, Nigel Farage, David Davis, etc, etc, will be speaking. But of course, what everyone really wants to know is, is anyone from the Cabinet going to make the short walk down Whitehall to address this meeting and reveal that they're going to leave? Well, it's the battle for the TV cameras, isn't it? If, indeed, the Prime Minister does 
get his podium out in Downing Street on tomorrow night and, on, uh, and half after this cabinet meeting and announce, right, the referendum is going to be on June the 23rd. I think Britain should stay in Europe. As soon as he says that, then obviously the, the freedom for the cabinet is list, lifted to, to uh, say what they're like. However, we've been told people like Ian Duncan Smith will not be allowed then to plunk their own podium in Downing Street, won't be allowed to be doorstepped in Downing Street or use any of the trappings of office to make their case. Instead, they will have to um, scuttle down Whitehall and go to, um, whether it's the QE2 centre or wherever, to, for the rally for the out campaign. So... Um, Right from the beginning, you're seeing a not quite level playing field. The PM is using all the power of his office to say, look, this is a matter of national interest. You've got to stay in, whereas all the others will be forced into sort of drafty halls and elsewhere. I do like the idea of David Cameron standing in front of the podium in Downing Street making the speech, and behind him, Duncan Smith is just making a rude gesture. I'm looking forward to what a uh, Leave EU rally is going to be like. In my mind, I think it's going to be like the beginning of Big Brother. In what way? In, in, in as much as Davina McCall is going to be there and, right. uh, and revealing John uh, Whittingdale. Coming into the house is John Whittingdale. <laughs> and people will go mad. Well, George big... Galloway would be there, so that'll tip Lots of fireworks. Be, yeah, absolutely. It's all, yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all going to go off. You yeah. can see like Chris Grayley coming on, just high fiving everyone yeah. in the front row yeah. of the audience. Yeah. 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 What do we want? Yeah. Out. What do we want it now? And the yeah. new, obviously, the, the, the real attraction may well be Penny Morden, as we um, learned today from The Sun that Penny Morden looks like she's going to be backing Brexit. Now, she is Defence Minister. She's obviously uh, a rising star. She's the one who made a, a speech in response to the Queen's speech that really put her on the map. She also made a splash in the TV show. She made the a same splash name. in the TV show. Um, and she was a, once a magician's assistant as well. That's so. great trivia. Absolutely brilliant. She can hunter up Brexit, shall we? Ugh. Especially with Derry Cameron looking for a rabbit from... Uh, the hat in Brussels. No, but the key thing about Penny Morden, key thing about Penny just Morden, just bit. as with Pretty Patel, yeah. and just as perhaps with Gisela Stewart, who was on the Mar programme last week, you've got a series of women who could actually make it, be making the out case in a very reasonable, sensible way um, that gets the out camp away from this caricature of people wearing Union jack jackets uh, and mad ties with weird colours and sort of the UKIP fruitcake hangers on. Instead... This is a sensible Brexit camp. Uh, and women are really important in this referendum. Well, they're just not represented at the moment on the Leave side, really. I mean, there's a couple of economists, but when I, Ruth Lee is one of them. But when I go down to a lot of these events, and I, and I do because I've got nothing better to do, you know, it is all the same faces. It is the male, pale and stale people, all in the same suits. You know, we've been hearing, much respectfully, people like John Redburn and Bernard Jenkins, but we've been hearing them talk about this for a long time. And if they haven't persuaded anyone already, they're not going to persuade anyone additionally. You need some new voices. And I think with Morden, she's new as well, isn't she? The fact she's defence minister is quite important because I think the issue of security, particularly with migration, will be a big deal in the referendum. So having her on TV um, speaking about Brexit in a favourable way as a defence minister, and I say a new voice, not someone we've always just seen. She can maybe offer, if she does decide to come out for out, a kind of a, maybe a more positive vision of Britain outside the European Union than some of the kind of dinosaurs the Tory party are able to kind of articulate. And women voters out there, actually, you know, they do need, they're open to the well, idea, the they're just open to the idea of, of Brexit, so the polls show, but they're, they're, they're deterred by people like Farage and by constant references to immigration. What might appeal to them more is the idea of a sense of independence, that we could be a nation under our own right, that we, you know, 
plucky Britain could, you know, make its way in the world in a better way without as much red tape, etc. But women are obviously the key market for the in-camp as well, because all these polls show that women are worried about things like national security, worried about things like um, prosperity for their own household. Um, so it will be interesting to see whether... Penny and also Morden young voters as well are more likely to be attracted by someone like Penny Morden yeah. or Priti Patel, who they can sort of identify with a bit more, perhaps. Yeah, although ultimately, let's not forget, as the Prime Minister says, ad nauseum, and on this he's absolutely right, this vote isn't about MPs backing in or out. It's not about Cabinet Ministers backing in or out. It's not even about him backing in or out. It's the first time in 40 years you, as a member of the public, has exactly the same say as a Prime Minister. You have one vote, they all have one vote, and it'd be you that decides it. Well, we in the UK are fretting about whether or not we should stay or leave. It is perhaps easy to forget that other countries in the EU also have a view. A poll of Europeans conducted by Lord Ashcroft this week reveals that other member states' attitudes towards Brexit. And it is not all peace, love and bananas, is it, Ned? No, I think it's quite interesting as well, because while a lot of European nations, as we've been saying, care more about the migration crisis, if Britain does leave the European Union, there's quite a fear of a kind of contagion across the EU of Eurosceptics in places like Hungary wanting to leave as well, and you know the, the National Front in France as well. And the poll that Ashcroft is quite interesting, because it shows that 6% of Europeans want us to stay, only 10% want us to leave. When you actually, when they were asked, would you like to give Britain things to keep them to stay, the numbers totally change. And a lot of the kind of newer European countries, so in the East, really want Britain to stay in by big majorities. But the kind of more established EU countries, so your Germany's, your France, your Netherlands, they're kind of saying, you can stay, but not at any cost. And I think you know the, the numbers here, there's uh, you know, Austria, Belgium, Croatia, Cyprus, they're kind of just saying, get lost if you don't like it. And it's a much very finely balanced thing there, I think. And I guess Cameron is having to use a lot of political capital in this negotiation to try and persuade these countries' heads of state that when they go back to their own people, they don't say, why are we giving yeah. Britain all this stuff? Don't why try and pronounce heads of state again. No, no, because but, you know, why have you given away all our child benefit rights that we had before? Why have you changed it so that, that the freedom movement was not quite the same? And I guess that there's going to be questions now, what sort of deals is Cameron doing we're not hearing about? I think we've, yeah, sorry. it's about what being a member of a club. If you're a member of a club, you know, traditionally you sign up to all the rules of the club. But the EU is different. It's not like a golf club. It's not like your local working men's club. Actually, there are different rules for different members. And there's this brilliant phrase that John Major came up with, variable, variable geometry. We can't, and it's an amazing phrase for what's happening now. Different speeds, several speeds in Europe of the way Europe progresses. Britain knows that you know, the Eurozone countries want to integrate much more. They want to become much more like a, a federal superstate because you know, their currency, their economies are all locked in sync. We're different. Some of the rest of Northern Europe are different. And we want to have, be within European Union to have all the benefits of trade, but we don't want to go down that route. And it's, it's kind of complicated and it's hard to explain to your own electorates over there and over here. I am sure that we will talk about this at nauseum uh, in the coming weeks and months. Next week, I'm sure we will also try not to talk just about Brexit. Thank you very much for listening to Commons People, and we'll see you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.